Psalm 121. I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills, from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand. The sun shall not smite thee by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. He shall preserve thy soul. The Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. Heavenly Father, we pray that with your blessing, with your instruction, with the ministry of your Holy Spirit, mm. we might glean a blessing or two from this marvelous hymn. We pray, Father, that you would use your word to strengthen us and um, empower us. We're dependent upon you. Yes. Touch us, we pray, Lord, in our Savior's name. Amen. You may be seated. I don't know if you've noticed or not, it has nothing to do with my lesson, but uh, I saw it earlier and then uh, I'll just point it out to you. The way the, song, the way the psalm begins is, I will lift up my eyes, my help cometh from the Lord, and then in verse number three, it's thy, thou, you will be blessed. I don't know the reason for that. I'm just pointing it out to you that there it is. You'll notice from the inscription that this is one of the songs of degrees. There are 15 of these in our Bible. One-tenth of all the psalms are songs of degrees. I wonder how many Christians really know what makes them special. I wonder if anyone really knows how special they are. Because when I do a little research, I have several explanations as to what these things are and why they are called songs of degrees. I pulled out my Bible encyclopedia, ISBE, and looked them up, and it gives four possible explanations. Perhaps they all blend together rather than separated. Some people think these psalms were penned or were used by the Jews who were returning from their Babylonian captivity. And as they went those many miles from the east toward the west, uh, uh, they sang these hymns from time to time, perhaps. Other people say they are titled degrees because each of them rises just a step higher in their worship and their, their, uh, uh, their devotion. I'm not sure that I see that, but then maybe I'm not as spiritual as I need to be. If I was sharper, I'd see what they were talking about, perhaps. Then there are Jews who say there were 15 steps to go from the court of the women up to where the temple was in Jerusalem. And that at certain periods of time, one of the priests, or maybe several of the priests, would uh, take step number one and they would sing Psalm 120. And they would step up another and there, were, there was a, a psalm for each of the 15 steps. Maybe 
We're just not going to know for sure. The most common explanation, and the one that I prefer, is that these songs were sung by the Jewish pilgrims as they ascended into the hills from Jericho. They are on their way to worship the Lord according to his commandments. They're going to Jerusalem for the various feasts. And they sang these songs of degrees as they were moving up from the Jordan Valley. One of the men the other day, it may have been Brother Roberts when I was talking to him. The other day, one of the men reminded me of the topography of Israel. Have you ever noticed it? It is really quite interesting. For example, Jericho, down near the Jordan River, as the river flows from the Sea of Galilee down into the Dead Sea, is 900 feet below sea level. Jericho is nearly 1,000 feet below sea level. The city of Jerusalem, with its temple, the place where these pilgrims were headed is 2,575 feet above sea level. So these people are going from Jericho to Jerusalem and they are rising 3,500 feet in elevation. Oh, what's that? Good for them. Big deal. By the way, in 55 miles, those people walked or they climbed that uh, 3,500 feet. Putting that into perspective for you, Ellensburg, Washington, on the eastern side of the Cascade Range. As we drive to Seattle from here, we generally pass through Ellensburg on I-90 and then we go up over Snoqualmie Pass. Ellensburg is at the elevation of 1,500 feet. Snoqualmie is 3,000 feet. In other words, 1,500 feet higher than Ellensburg. And the distance between those two is almost the same distance as between Jericho and Jerusalem. Imagine walking from Ellensburg to Snoqualmie. Your, your car's broken down. You've got to walk that 55 miles. Hiking might be a better word. Now factor in one more point. Jerusalem is another, is twice as high as Snoqualmie. In other words, you're not just walking up to Snoqualmie, you're walking up to Snoqualmie, which is above Snoqualmie. That's a pretty good hike. That's a pretty good hike. Because of their hatred of the Samaritans, those Jews from Galilee would walk down to the Jordan Valley, follow that valley all the way down to Jericho, and then climb up the mountains to go to Jerusalem, all because they would not go through Samaria. The Lord Jesus went through Samaria. If you were going to make that walk, wouldn't you stop for snacks in Ellensburg before you started your climb up the, the hill? Please be aware that there is no Starbucks in Jericho. There is no McDonald's in Jericho. 
nothing like that. Those pilgrims were not being pushed or fueled on their journey with uh, whips and bribes and liquid adrenaline. They were being drawn to Jerusalem by their love for the Lord and their desire to serve him the way he wanted to be served. They were being fueled not by the smell of fresh coffee, but by their thoughts of God. Whereas today, you might stop in Ellensburg for a cup of joe before walking up to the top of Snoqualmie. Those people, as they passed through Jericho, they went through a spiritual drive-in and picked up a little uh, Jehovah on the go. <coughs> okay, you're awake, I see that. <laughs> These songs of degrees encourage their resolve to finish the trip, as difficult as it might be. Why are we looking at Psalm 121 this evening? First, because the Lord put it on my heart. Second, because soon we're going to be going to prayer, and our hearts and our thoughts need to be lifted from the below sea level where we live in this world up towards Zion, up toward the Lord. And third, there are several parallels between this Old Testament psalm and some of the instruction given to us in the New Testament. God, whom these pilgrims picked up in Jericho, was the source of their help. I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills. From whence cometh my help? I see a 70-year-old man coming out of Jericho looking toward the daunting climb toward Jerusalem. He has made this trip more than 100 times during his life, but uh, he's not 30 years old anymore. His knees and his ankles aren't what they once were. His energy level isn't quite what it was either. To encourage himself, he sings the first verse of this psalm, or perhaps the first verse of Psalm 123. Unto thee lift I up mine eyes, O thou that dwellest in the heavens. I don't know if Paul was ever here. I don't know that he ever made this trip Perhaps it's unlikely. But assuming that perhaps he did once, did he say to himself, set your affection on things above, not on the road before you. Since you're risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. We need the Lord in our spiritual ascent every day. We need him far more than we need that first cup of coffee in the morning. We need his help in our worship. Perhaps even more, we need him in our climb into his arms. We need him in order to walk the walk of the child of God. This look toward the hills is not with awe and joy. Rather, it's with pleading eyes. How on earth can I do this? This is beyond my strength. If you're trusting the things of earth, you will not do these things. 
You do not have strength for these. You'll never make it. Rather, look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And remember, we're looking toward the God who made heaven and earth. Verse number two. My help cometh from the Lord which made heaven and earth. Are you facing another round of uh, chemotherapy in your struggle against cancer? I hope you can say, my help cometh from the Lord. Are you wondering with what you shall feed your family because the refrigerator is empty and the pantry is depleted? The God that we serve is the creator of all of this thing around us. He can meet our needs. God created all things before there were raw materials to make things. He created those raw materials. He can certainly meet our needs. Jehovah is the God of all help. And he is the source of our stability. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. If you want to picture a warrior standing before an overwhelming opponent, I won't discourage you from using that in your mind. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. But I would rather from my position picture a physically weary old man trudging up a mountain road where at times there are rocks and ruts, where feeble ankles can be turned, sprains can take place, maybe even a broken bone. As Paul said in Philippians 4.13, it doesn't look like it, but I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that ye always having all sufficiency in all things may abound unto every good work. 2 Corinthians 9.8 He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. In the way that God helps his people as the creator of all things, he stabilizes his people as the God who is always there, always available to be leaned upon. Jehovah is the God of, God of creation. He's also the God over time. While still living in these weak, corrupt bodies of ours, we need to have a certain number of hours of sleep every day. Our great spirit God does not need that. He doesn't sleep. He is always on duty, if that's not blasphemous to say. He's always there. He not only never sleeps, but he never gets sleepy, drowsy. Sometimes we sit in a church service, we're awake, we're awake. But we're a little drowsy at the same time. God is not that way. He is the perfect source of protection and stability. Jehovah also is the source of our comfort. The Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand. Remember, this is one of 15 of the songs of degrees. 
So there are lots of images in some of the other psalms. But in this particular one, the weary pilgrims are climbing from the depths of the Jordan Valley into the highlands of central Israel, often during the heat of the day. It might surprise you to learn that the average temperature in that part of the world is not too dissimilar from the temperatures that we have here. This is not Sonoran desert countryside. There were times when it was dry, certainly there was, but it's not desert country as we ordinarily think of it. And if you want to Google that, you're certainly welcome to do so. Their daily temperatures were not much different from ours in the inland northwest, which means in August, it'll get to be 100. And when you're climbing a mountain or following this very steep upward path and it's 90 degrees, you might wish for a little shade. I should have brought a bigger hat. Yes, there must have been occasions when the weary travelers yearned for a little shady protection from the sun and its heat. The Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand. The word keeper is very common in the Bible, somewhere around 500 times. And it's used to describe someone who guards things. In some scriptures, our keeper protects us from human enemies. Sometimes it refers to spiritual enemies. Sometimes it refers to the internal enemies that we've already referred to. But here in this verse, God guards us from common everyday natural problems like the very hot sun. I don't mind it a bit when you come to the church service and you've got sniffles and you tell us ahead of time, you tell me, I'm not going to shake your hand. I've got the sniffles. I appreciate that. I want you to be in the house of God. I'm glad that you warned me. Neither of us are fools. We will do those simple things, those obvious things, which afford a little bit of protection. But while I will refrain from hugging you and not uh, shake your hand because you haven't offered it, I will trust the Lord for that ultimate protection. Don't cough on me. <laughs> I will do what I should do to protect myself. But ultimately, my protection is from the Lord. The Lord is my keeper. The Lord is my shade. The sun shall not smite thee by day, nor the moon by night. Whoa, screeching halt. This is a bit confusing. I can understand the first part of the statement. The sun can certainly hurt us, but how can the moon smite us? Just keep us awake? Maybe that's what it refers to, I don't know. I don't know exactly what the psalmist meant, but I think it's just safe to say or make this application. 
In the Lord, we have protection from the obvious, like the UV rays of the sun. <clears throat> but in him, we also have protection from the things that we cannot see. The smiting of the moon, whatever that is, we don't have to know what it is. We're protected from it. So it really doesn't matter. I think we can also say, once again, that the Lord is there to protect us by day and by night when the moon is the brightest thing in the neighborhood. What comfort there is in the realization of our Savior's ever-present loving care. What shall we say in regard to the problems of life? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him freely give us all things? Romans 8. Behold the fowls of the air. They sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow. Matthew chapter 6. The Lord, of course, is the source of our eternal safety. The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. He shall preserve thy soul. The Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. What is this going out and coming in business? Don't these terms basically round out everything else that's been said about uh, the Lord's protection? We have the Lord watching over us whether we're going up the mountain toward Jerusalem or coming back yes. down. Right. There he is during the day and during the night. And here, he is preserving us whether we are at home or abroad. Going out or coming in. He shall preserve thee from all evil. Let your imagination run free. Let it loose. Are you concerned about Goliath? Don't worry about him. Got him under control. North Korea? North coronavirus, uh, corona beer industry. God's got it under control. He can turn it off at, at will. Does that strange spot on your arm worry you a little bit? Your upcoming surgery bother you? The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. No matter how you might define evil, the Lord is there to preserve thee in it and from it. But even more important than that, he shall preserve thy soul. Yes. No matter what might happen to your body, your health, your temporal life, the Lord has got your eternal soul if you are one of his children. We know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the call according to his purpose. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? 
Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We're accounted for as accounted as sheep for the slaughter. In all these things we're more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, not height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. As I said earlier, these psalms of degrees were sung by God's people as they climbed the hills toward Zion. They were meant to comfort and strengthen people who are already trying to worship and serve the Lord. And aren't we among those people? Don't we love our Savior? Don't, want, don't we want to see Him glorified in our lives as such? Yes. These psalms, this psalm is a, appropriate for us as well as for those people so many, many years ago.